0: We regurgitate too much information, and we don't decipher it and try to make it where there's value of our own.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined in the line later today by the incomparable Joe Kim. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was. What's going on this week? Talk about my book of the week. And then also give you a little food for thought. If you are struggling, if you don't feel like you're making the kind of inroads or seeing the success that you would like, I'm going to give you a little nugget that has worked very well for me in recent weeks. So last week, what happened? All the usual stuff had my regular coaching clients. Training is going incredibly well. Very happy with how my body feels, how I'm moving, getting in the gym four or five days a week and just trying to get as much momentum going as possible. Because at some point, you know, i.e. in the summer, basketball guys will be back, my college athletes will be back, and so I know I'm going to have to go into more of a maintenance mode then. So just trying to kill it as much as I can over the next couple months. Also good incentive knowing that I'm going on spring break in about six weeks and I need to be on a beach in a swimsuit. So no motivation, like a little bit of potential shame. So That's what is kind of going on over the weekend. As you know, we're going through the Marvel movies. So watched, oh, let me see. We watched Ant-Man and Wasp on Friday. Maybe not my favorite movie, but still entertaining. Saturday, we're watching WandaVision, which didn't know how I felt about that originally, but really enjoying that show and really enjoying where they're taking that. Uh, I think it's done incredibly well. And I love how, Each one of these movies, and it feels like each one of these series that Disney's creating is really going to kind of tie into the larger story. So very impressed with that. And then yesterday was Sunday, but the kids don't have school the next two days. They kind of have like a four-day weekend. So we watched Captain Marvel. So lots and lots of Marvel stuff going on. Let's see. Cade had some soccer and some basketball this weekend. Like just so happy for this guy. I mean, he was so down on himself the first couple weeks of basketball, and I really thought he was going to quit, and he got another bucket, so he was jazzed about that and then had indoor the next day, and he got not one but two goals, so I mean, just really happy for him. He's an athletic guy. I don't know how competitive he is just yet. He's definitely not the most aggressive kid, but you know... I mean, he's definitely got some skills. So excited for him and just excited for him to be enjoying sports. And then the last thing for kind of last week, Bill and I got in the gym and we shot the second part to our iFastU video. And what we're doing now is basically trying to find a way to blend the theoretical with the applied. So what we did was like two weeks ago, we went into the purple room and we just talked supine pressing, aka bench pressing. And just broke it down, like, okay, what's happening at the shoulder joint? What happens when you arch really hard? What happens when you move your hands in on the bar, out on the bar, or you use a neutral grip? What happens when you have a big arch? What happens when you have no arch? So we can really take a deep dive into understanding what's going on in the body to help you better choose what exercise progression or regression works best for you. So that was really fun. And that's kind of Bill's world. And then on Friday, we went in the gym and we just got after it as far as, okay, if you want to have the most extreme arch, like a power lifter would coach, or you just want to move the absolute most weight possible with no regard for how your body moves or feels afterwards, how do you do it? And on the flip side of that, if you have a gym pop client who has a history of shoulder pain or back pain, or they just want to build some showy muscles and stay healthy and feel good. How would you coach that? How would you coach an athlete? How do things change when you go from a barbell to dumbbells? So, man, I'm really excited about how these pieces are coming together. And I think it's going to give the people that are members of IFASTU a more a more big picture view as to why we choose certain exercises, the thought process that we have, but then also that applied element of, okay, now that I know what exercise to choose, how do I go in the gym and coach and cue it? the best of my ability. So not meaning for this to be like an iFast plug, even though it might have came out that way, just really excited about that content and where it's going. So that's last week. This week, I mean, we're just getting pummeled with snow as I'm sitting here. I cleaned the driveway this morning. By the time I got home from work, like four hours later, because I didn't want to be in the mess of of traffic later in the day. I mean, it was already kind of dusted over and I think we're getting like 10 or 12 inches of snow. So I don't see us doing a whole lot this week. I do have some podcasts lined up. I've got my guy Joel Jameson coming back on, who uh like Joe Ken is in that like four to five-ish range. He's been on the show quite a few times now. So excited to get Joel back on. Just always enjoy talking with him. And then Kyle Faffenbeck as well. So or Faffenbach, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name, but very excited to have him on as well because we need more nutrition people on and just excited to see what he's gonna talk about. So That's kind of an overview of what's been going on. People have been jiving with the books. So my book for this week is Stillness is the Key. If you have not read this book, I would highly recommend it. It is another one of the Ryan Holiday books, but Stillness is the Key. And it's one of those where, okay, maybe you could just read the title and kind of surmise what's going on, but just great stories in there. And I love how he uses a story to kind of introduce the topic and then builds on that theme as he goes through the various sections. And I think in this day and age where we're always talking about how busy we are and we're always connected, whether it's with our phone or you know email on our laptop or our iPad, whatever device we have, we're more connected than ever before. And I don't always think that's a good thing because I think there are definitely times where we need to find distance, where we need to create space, where we need to create that stillness. So we can have thoughts and we can be kind of better versions of ourselves. And and I think when we have those moments of stillness, that's where we have some of those big breakthroughs. Like what's really important It's where we solve some of those complex problems when we find those times of space. So if you have not read this book, I can't recommend it highly enough. I would also say if you enjoy this book, you'll probably enjoy most of his books. Ego is the Enemy, Obstacle is the Way, all fantastic books. And probably over the last couple of years, he's definitely my favorite author. So that is the book of the week. Last but not least, something to marinate on and something that I think will help you. Now, I really hope I didn't talk about this a couple of weeks ago. If I did, I apologize. And it's only because this is such an important thing to focus on. I think at various times of the year, we all encounter resistance right? Maybe it's resistance to our exercise routine. Maybe it's resistance to the nutritional program we know we should be following. Maybe it's resistance to continuing education and continuing to further ourselves as trainers and coaches. And so I know there's a lot of people that, that buy into the whole eat the frog concept. And there are times that that works. You know, first thing in the day, you do the highest priority task and I can get behind that. You know, especially if you don't have a lot of resistance or you've got a lot of motivation, by all means, knock out that first and most important task first. Now, what happens when you do have a high level of resistance? What happens when you just can't get your mojo working and you don't feel like you're going to be successful no matter what you do? This is where I'm a big believer in the small wins concept. And I'm going to give you a couple practical examples And then I want you to think about how this might apply to you. So a couple weeks ago, there was just like this ever growing laundry list of items I needed to do around our house. Now, let's be real here. I do not in any way, shape or form fancy myself as this elite handyman, but I can get enough stuff done, you know, given the proper time and the tools Um, and minimal interruptions or distractions, I feel like I can handle a lot of low-level tasks. So anyway, this weekend comes around, and I know there's all these tasks, and I'm sitting in Cade's room. It's like the middle of the day, and I'm looking at his light, and he has had this one light bulb burned out in his room for I don't know how long. And I think we just kind of ignored it because, you know, there's three lights there. So if one's out, it doesn't make that big of a difference. So... I'm like, no, this is enough. We're going to fix this light today. So I know it sounds simple and I know it sounds silly, but I fixed that one light bulb and I was like, Hey, wow, that makes a big difference in here. What else can I do? That's very easy. So the next thing I did, uh, Jess had two light bulbs out over her vanity. Now, again, she's got like four light bulbs, but you know, okay, I'm going to replace. In this case, I replaced all four. So they would be uniform. I'm like, wow, that made a big difference. So then things just kind of rolled from there, right? Like I got those two jobs done and then one of our toilets had started to go out. So I replaced, not the whole toilet, I'm not that skilled, but the inner workings of it and the pipe, the drain pipe that that connects to it. So I did that in one bathroom and I got that done pretty well. And a while back I bought a couple of them. So I went in the kid's bathroom and I did it in theirs and I got that fixed. So... I'm telling you all this because small wins can get the motivation going. They can they can break up or, or get the momentum and the inertia going in our direction. Same thing with Kate in his sports. You know, a while back, like he didn't have a great experience in soccer because he was around all these kids that were incredibly good for their age level. I mean, we had first grade kids that I was calling the cheat code because they could have played in third and fourth grade. So he he didn't have the best soccer experience. Then he comes into basketball and it took him a while to get going. But hey, hey man, now he got a couple buckets. So now he's excited to go to basketball. He got a couple goals. So he's super excited to go play soccer now. So I want you to think about how can this small win concept apply to your life? What area are you struggling in? And again, maybe it's your training. Maybe you're just struggling to get into the gym or to get excited about working out. All right. Can you just go in and warm up? And, and do a couple sets of squats and call it a day. Like that's a win, right? Like don't ever let somebody tell you that's not a win. That's not your workout program forever, but that's a win for today. For your nutrition. Maybe you're struggling as you go through the week and you just know that hey, by the end of the week I don't want to cook or I'm just going to stop and get carry out for the fifth time this week. Okay, well, maybe a small win would be on Sunday you're going to carve out an hour to do your meal prep or maybe Sunday and Wednesday. Like that's a real hack. Bill taught me that one. Like You know, if somebody needs fat loss, instead of saying, go in the gym three days a week, go in the gym Monday, Friday, and on Wednesday, use that day to meal prep for the second half of the week, because the nutrition game is super important when it comes to that. You know, if it's con ed, and this is something I know I've talked about numerous places, but too often we get caught up in this idea of perfect. Oh, well, if I don't have 60 minutes to get my con ed done, then I'm not, that's not a win for the day. BS, man. No, go watch one of Bill's videos. Go, you know, watch one of Lee Taft's videos. Listen to my intro, even though it's probably more than five minutes at this point, but listen to the first 10 minutes of a podcast. Like nobody says you have to do 60 minutes of Con Ed for it to be a win. Start with little wins. Get the momentum going. Start to just get yourself feeling good about yourself again and and feel like, okay, hey, I'm stringing together some wins. I'm seeing some success. And ultimately, I think that's going to get the momentum going. Okay, so that's enough for me. I've talked far too long for this week. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into this awesome show with my guy, Joe Ken. It seems like almost every day, I talk to a young trainer or coach who was frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if this sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn. How to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. The exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym. From squatting and deadlifting, to pressing and pulling, and everything in between. And last but not least, I've added an entire section on my assessment process and how to use that to write programs faster and more effectively than ever before. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the certification is all about. Now, here's the thing. Spots for the certification will open twice per year for a limited time only. If you're interested in learning more, my next certification will launch in March, 2021. And if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on the insider's list, just head over to CompleteCoachCertification.com. Again, CompleteCoachCertification.com, and then stay tuned for our launch emails coming very soon. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. Our guest today needs little to no introduction. Joe Kin is a 32-year vet in the world of strength and conditioning, 20-plus years in the Division One setting, and the last nine being in the NFL with the Carolina Panthers. As far as I know, he's the only voted-on strength coach of the year in both college and professional sports, and look, the guy has just created success wherever he's been. He and I also did a series of three years, what we call the Elite Athletic Development Seminars, where we would go back and forth talking about the way we set up our programming, the way we coach our athletes, and I feel like it was a really unique and organic experience because we found this great blend of how he runs the tier system, how I use R7, and how both of these, these systems that we use can be used in an interchangeable fashion. So my friend, I know you're going to love this show. We talk principles. We talk principles. We talk about brass tacks. We talk about continued success in this field, and I know you're going to love it. So enough for me. Let's do this. Joe, man, so excited to have you back on the show here today. Thank you so much for coming on. Start by just telling us a little bit about yourself.
0: Well, I hold the record for most episodes on the Mike Robertson (laughs) podcast (laughs) podcast. So that makes me so much better and recognized than Andy McCloy. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's
1: only two, maybe three, Yeah, but he's not on your level.
0: So if he adds another one, you know, I'll have to come back on. (laughs) But yeah, things are going great. It's been a long, it's been a long, it's long and interesting journey. And, you know, the, the processes of traveling and trying to be sustainable, I think is what allows for long-term longevity in this field. It's tough. I mean, because... As strength and conditioning coaches, we're not necessarily controlling our own destinies, especially those who've chosen to be in the team sports setting. Yep. And like we had talked off air, that's why I have so much respect for those strength and conditioning professionals who go off in the private sector, are willing to invest their own money and the leap of faith that gives them their own storefront and name on the building and be successful because I know how hard that is, but you're, you're your own boss and you get to control things. So it's a little bit different when you choose the path that I've chosen. And I've been on the private sector for one year as a coach. And then this year in a different role working for a, for a dynamic fitness equipment company, the the processes are a lot different because you are really at the beck and call of success. And if you go through life, you know, everybody climbs, you know, I've read the book halftime and it's about your life's journey. And that first half of most people's life, it's about success, right? I've got to be number one. I've got to be the best this I've got to make the most money. And sometimes when you hit that midlife, I don't want to say midlife crisis, but when you reach that midpoint in your career, you realize, okay, what have you really done in this path? And that's when you learn about significance, right? Yep. And, when you were mentoring kids on the way up or mentoring young coaches on the way up, that change your mentorship starts changing. Now you become more of a, I don't want to say a preacher, but you really become more of a teacher, like giving. And that's one of the things that I think I've done, especially in the last, you know, probably five to nine years, I've become more of a person that wants to tell you uh, what, what I learned from my mistakes and not be, and be humbled enough and, Transparent enough to to tell you that I tell you this because I've already done it. Right. Like I'm not I'm not ripping you about your jumping jack, power reverse curl cleans because I've never <laughs> done it. I've done it,
2: right? <laughs> uh,
0: and I've accepted the fact that that's not right. Right. And I want I don't want you to make those mistakes moving forward when someone like myself is telling you you need to self evaluate and understand those things. So the journey of the path of the career, you get highs and lows. You, you climb the pinnacle, you win some championships and bowl games is the you know, again, some of the things we talked offline is the challenge still there for you.
2: Uh, Right.
0: I don't want, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, people talk about like complacency, bored, but stagnant. Right. And when you're, when you continue to be at places for a long time, it's human nature for that stuff to kind of creep up if nothing's challenging you. Yeah. Like what's the next year's challenge? There's always certain challenges. But in the end, if the if the process or the whole is very similar, every year you're with a team sport, there's a new challenge. It's a new team. Mm -hmm. But those coaches, I hold a very much high respect for the coaches who are able to make very long runs at universities with under the same program. It's different if you change coaches like when I was at Boise State, And that process was different. When I was at Boise State, obviously, you know, football's football. I worked for five different football coaches. So there was always a different challenge because you had to prove yourself. But on the other hand, back in those days, we worked with 17 sports. So there was always challenges that were going to make you rise to the occasion. When you get into a single sport strength coach, there's different challenges, but the the overall structure of your day and of the year is kind of Stagnant. It's going to be the same. It's routine. This is this eight weeks. The routine becomes very, very similar. And regardless of the faces changing, what's the new challenge for yourself? Like you, you know, okay, this date I'm going here. This date I need to have this done. These reports are due here, and it's the same routine, just different names. Yep. Uh, It's the same challenges in season, different names. Uh, Not, and I'm and I'm talking probably with not enough emotion. Now those people mean a lot. The athletes are extremely important, and you're going to invest as much as you can into each athlete to make sure that they are protected and persevere through a season. But then, on January 1st or February 7th, depending on how far you go in the playoffs, most of those guys disappear till April. Right. <laughs> and it, and it becomes a whole new process over and over again. So the journey the journey is going to be a lot based off of the situations you're in how you respond to them. And are you willing to look in the mirror and be very uh, self-analytical and self-critical? It's very hard to be self-critical. Like people want to blame others for things going bad or why, why aren't you here? Why aren't you there? After self-evaluation, I don't worry about why I'm not somewhere. (laughs) I worry about why am I in this place and what is the direction I need to head to be successful? I can't, I can't answer questions about, well, why don't you think so-and-so did this? Or why don't you think so-and-so took you here? I don't care. That's for someone else to answer. All I know is this is my situation, and I've got to make the best of it, and I can't worry about why, why not, or why didn't they, this happen. I've got to worry about, okay, how am I going to dominate in the next position I'm in to stay in somewhat a relevant sense in my field? Yeah. And that, that's how the journey goes, the, the climb. The opportunities to make moves, you put yourself in that by how hard you worked with your athletes and what other people speak of you. And then it's your job when you go to that next step to show them that they were right. Yep. Like, oh, this guy's the man. Well, is he really? Like, It's just like, it's just like how many times, and I think you, we were going to go into this, but how many times do we hear this guy's such a great coach? Like, oh, man, this dude is the best. Oh, you actually saw him coach? No, I've never seen him coach. Well, then how are you saying this guy's the best? Well, I've heard him speak. I've said, I've heard a lot of people speak, too. And I've watched them coach. And I've seen a lot of people speak. And you're like, golly, this guy, who? And then you watch him coach. And then you're saying, that guy should never present.
2: <laughs> right. You should
0: just invite people to the weight room and watch this full coach. Because yep. this is some of the best coaching I've ever seen. So I think it's, it's all perception. And my perception is always going to be someone who is 100% Uh, reality tv and that's hard to do there's no absolute so you're probably 98 99 (laughs) because there's always a game to be played let's just face it yeah there's always a game that's being played and that's part of the things you learn in your journey right until you figure out how the games played and what how you fit in that game it's all we always used to kid about it and i was just said it to a couple of my buddies. We're all in a game of thrones. If you right. if you don't if you've watched that series, we we all live in a game of thrones regardless of what jobs we're in. Whether it's the physical fitness industry, whether it's corporate America, whether it's Silicon Valley, it's a game. And those who understand the chess match of it because some people are playing checkers while others are playing chess. Yep. And nothing against the game of checkers, but it's simple compared <laughs> to playing the game of chess. And you've got to be aware of that as you climb. Just like you need to, I don't, I can't say this, but I would think you'd, you know, playing checkers is going to be something that helps you play chess. I don't know. I don't play either. But (laughs) it's just like, you can't jump into velocity-based training if you don't know basic training intensities and sets of rep schematics. I think there's always going to be something to be said about understanding why some of this works. You can't got, you know, there's a lot of things that have, change my thought process and how I need to educate myself on certain things, but then also understand that I need to bring somebody in who's an expert of that and then feed me the data I need for the things that I'm going to continue to replicate.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: So again, it's not a, it's not a climb of, well, I did this for eight years, you know, and I know that's not what you wanted. It's okay. It's what it's what you see. And it's, it's no different than, you know, training and an athlete on a 12-week block, you're going to climb the ladder, you're going to take a dive. You're going to climb the ladder, you're going to readjust. But what you hope is every peak gets a little bit higher up to an apex so that when it's all said and done, you can feel pretty proud about what you've been able to accomplish and hopefully what you've been able to give back. Because, I mean, you got to pay it forward. You know, You're on the shoulders of people who have helped set the standards before you and you've got to be aware of that. I don't think enough people in this era understand all the people who did all the dirty work for us to be where we're at. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, I'll be talking about in a couple of talks later on this year.
1: OK, so when I was crafting these very rough questions for you, one of the things that that immediately came to mind or, or a word that came to mind was continued success. Right? We've all seen people, they've been successful for two years or five years or maybe 10 years. But I mean, look, we talked about this. 32 years now, you've been at this. I feel like you've had a certain level of success at every single stop along the way. What is something that you attribute that to? It could be a character trait, something that you've done. What do you attribute that continued success to?
0: I would say keeping the faith believing in what you do and not altering that regardless of what other people may say about it, being true to yourself, trying to be honest and open from a personality and emotional standpoint, not creating a fictitious you. Mm-hmm. I think we see that a lot of times in coaching. You see the, the more popular guys in coaching have a certain persona to them. And then you get to that point. Well, I've got to act like that, or I've got to be like that. And it's not sustainable. So, if I say one one word that I've said a lot when it comes to my programming, I think there's the same thing with with your life your life expectancies too is how well can you maintain sustainability is how well you can adapt to the environment that's being recreated every day without stepping out of who you are, what you are and what you believe. I mean, I think that's a, it's as simple as that. I think in this in this day you see a lot of jumping, right I remember remember the era of when Louis started to show up, there was the traditional models and and I again, I don't want to just lump things and then coach Gambetta with the true functional training of med ball stability ball balancing stuff like that. Yep, that had all kind of peaked almost at the same time around really around the the late nineties or early 2000s these genres. We're pushing in this direction of explosion, and I think a lot of coaches were getting driven in different different roads. Right, the highway was splitting up into like uh, trifecta. You get to the stop line, you got three streets to go on, and and people were just jumping from street to street. Yeah, and they weren't being sustainable. So hey, I'm going to try west side for eight weeks. I didn't like what I saw. I'm going to go to you know Bosu balls, stability <laughs> balls, and med balls for eight weeks. Well, that wasn't right. And then I'm going to go circle back to this, or so and so is doing that, and you're reaching for a grab bag instead of formulating what your plan. You see this vision of your plan, and then looking at these systems or programming or modalities, and figuring out, okay, how do I grab these things and mold this into what you believe in? And that's what I've done. Yeah, like I'm not. I'll just tell you flat out. I think that. One of the sustainability successes of what I've done is been able to really, you know, do the the acronym or whatever the words right of, uh, you know, the saying that I got from Dave Tate on an article, absorb, modify and apply. If you can live by that, you're going to win. And I remember, you know, Dave, Dave went to a Swiss conference. I think I was at Arizona State at this time. I think Dave was writing a lot for TMAG when a lot of guys were writing for TMAG when that was one of the most popular sites, if not the most popular site to get your information off the internet at that time. And he wrote a Swiss conference recap. And one of the subtitles was absorb, modify and apply. And he was going through his things. And, it, and it, I was like, that applies to everything. Yeah, applies to everything we're doing. So I stole it. and I continue to give him credit for it. Because I, I didn't create it. <laughs> and so, so I use that in everything I do in life. Even now, what I'm learning in business and what I'm learning in this role, how do I absorb, modify, apply to put it in my daily life and whatever that next, where, wherever the next journey takes me. So I think that's the biggest thing. How do you be continuous success? One, you got to believe in yourself and be willing to adapt to the times without changing who you are. You can't, you can't go out, you can't go in and out of a character. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And that's the same thing with your programming. I mean, I've watched you do the same programming, and then all of a sudden you create the 7Rs based off the programming. It yeah. wasn't like the 7Rs changed their program. Nope. The, the program created the 7Rs, just like I like the 7Rs. I've got 11. Yeah. But it all based through how I develop my daily plan. And I just use that terminology because it, it's easy. to It's easy. Yeah. And it's, uh, what's the right word? It's, it makes sense one, but there's a word I'm not very good at. So if I <laughs> it's just one of those things when you're talking about different things, you just build on it. Like I remember when we went in the seminars, I said, Damn, Mike, for all you do, you didn't write anything about core training. And then right. I said that's called the root. Yeah. Like how the hell does Mike Robertson <laughs> not have that in the program? Right. right. And like and I'll tell you a thing. So I'm I'm gonna do an ebook on truly like practical neck training for sport. Oh nice. It's gonna be it's not gonna it's gonna be based off of financially I don't want to say strapped, but bare basic types of things that I've learned that you can have productivity in training the neck and the musculature around the neck. And I started to call it head support because really what are we doing when we're training the muscles of the neck, trap and posterior shoulder? You're supporting the head. Right. And then I said, okay, well now I gotta find a R for this. Right? <laughs> So I dig around. So now I call it reinforcement because what I'm trying to do is build a muscular structure to reinforce head support. So like now when you see my upper body program, it's got like reset, root, reboot, reinforcement, and then readiness. And then I actually go into the program. So hell, I can just train you off of that part of the preact. And I I lump all that into what I call preactivity preparation, which I learned that I stole that. And I always give him. I stole that from Charles Staley.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Charles Staley said that. Well, probably 20 years ago, I heard him say that. I'm like, because remember, everybody's like, it's not a warm up, right? Right. Everybody would call it warming up, and it's such a general term. It's like the difference between working out and training, right? Yeah. Well, you're working out or you're training. Are you warming up or you're prepared? So when he said pre-activity prep, I was like, there's the ideal terminology to use for that first part of the program that we would call warm up. Because now you go pre-activity prep. Main session, post activity prep, which would be your recovery and regen. And I was like, so it's all when you when you learn these things and you figure out how they play, they just fall into a nice mesh, and then you know you've got something. If it doesn't, if it doesn't fall into something that's like very moldable and it and it creates a masterpiece, then obviously the ingredients are off but yep. the sim- and it's and see this is just simple stuff like people are trying to complicate things this is like just simple things of just listening to people speak listening how they dissected how a program should be run somebody comes up with some co- a cool way of doing it and then how do you bring it into your program everything i talked about does nothing to change the sustainability and the basics of what the tier system is yeah all it does is helps organization of building out what a daily a daily plan looks like.
1: Yeah, well, and, that, look,
0: and that's what people need to do.
1: Okay, so look, here's the problem, and, and so here we can just start diving off script right away. But like you talked about it up front, you have principles, therefore you have a filter to put things through. If you don't have principles, then you can be swayed by anything, right? And back in the day, it was T Nation, and luckily there were only like five articles a week. You know, so if somebody says something one day and something somebody says something else the next, you only got to deal with like five voices or 10 or whatever, you know, the authorship was at the time. Now, everybody on the Internet has a voice. Right. So I think it's only gotten worse. Like I see kids that are, you know, coming in and they've tried like 20 different programs by the time they're like 14, 15 years old. Can't figure out why they haven't had success yet.
0: Or they're hurt. (laughs)
1: Or, Or both. Right. Yeah. So how do you. This is going to be a tough one. But like, how did you go about? I already
0: have. I have the answer, but go ahead.
1: Okay, go ahead. No, no, no. Give me the answer. I want the answer.
0: So you were going to go, how do you go about deciphering all this information? Yeah. Okay. here's what you got to do. And we talked a little bit about this. I will tell you this. We've created platforms and we've come into that. Again, it's no different than what we're seeing in athletes today, right? Players voicing their opinions. Yep. And having the ability to do so. We are we are in that world, that society has its hand. We are we have given everybody a place at the table, regardless of if they've earned a right. Right. And when we came up, you had to earn the right to say something right. before before you were asked your opinion. Yep. I mean, it was a true hierarchy of respect, you know, the the, the elders, so to speak, and yep. you had to work your way into that position. Nowadays, you don't. You know, I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Ronnie McKeefrey's CEO strength coach. In this era, I think that's something that needed to be produced for this for this era of strength coach, because what we learned in our careers were, especially when you're in the team sports, you had to be all in with these coaches and all in with these teams and universities you worked with. But yet when they threw you to the curb, there was no one there to help you. And that's where, like, a lot of Ronnie stuff talking about using a website as part of your resume, right? Creating a blog so coaches can see what you are, knowing all these apps, right? Finding outside streams of revenue to help you in times of need. Yeah, I think that needs to be said because we missed the boat on that in our generation. But like everything else, a lot of people ran with that, in and in now. That- we opened. So in some ways, the information needs to be out there. And Ronnie did a terrific job of presenting that information. But then like we see we're we're in the how do I get to be without worrying about the process? Right. So a lot of people have taken that. Well, if Ronnie McKeefee wrote this book and he's doing it for 20 years, then it's OK for me to do all this other stuff and get my stuff out there. And that's true. Uh, I've read a lot of things that are out there from People way younger than me and people with less experience, but I know how to decipher that information. Right. And what I also know is I know where it's coming from. So I can look at it. And that's where I tell people when you are dealing with things, this is this will be the 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 go-to term that I will use. And I say this with a lot of stuff when it comes to this day and age of what's going on in social media and people who put out things. Like I said, I have the ultimate respect for anyone, regardless whether I watch them, regardless if I read them, regardless if I any anything that goes and has a leap of faith and creates a product that they believe in their heart is something that they they have a love and passion for and are willing to share it with the masses. Yeah. Everybody has their fan club, so to speak. Yep. Whether I'm in that fan club or not is irrelevant to you. But know that I respect what you've done. Yep. the fact that people will go all in and bet on themselves cuz i've had to do that when you bet on yourself and you win i have you i hold you in high regard the guys like jl holsworth yourself and, and the people i know ricky pro who put their name on a storefront and invested their own money and time to make it work i have high level of respect for people like that people who create products that have been highly successful and you can see the success you can see the followers I respect that. Whether I, whether I agree with it, certain things or not is irrelevant to that. Right. You're not worrying about me. You're worrying about, hey, man, I'm trying to make a living. I got these people that believe in what I'm doing. What do I do next? Mm-hmm. So what you have to do regardless of that, what you have to do as an individual is you got to peel back the onion. So different people at different points in their careers and lives will have a different peel for each individual person, like in coaching. I've coached 32 years. I've coached 29 of them in team sports settings. If I read an article of somebody who's telling me how to train a team and how they would do it, the first layer is, have you ever trained in a team sports setting?
2: <laughs> right.
0: You know what I'm saying? Yep. I don't care how old you are, but that's my first question is, well, how are you going to tell me how to do something you've never done? Yep. Because I've been in the private sector and I know the The restraints that I have in the team setting versus the private sector is totally different. Yep, I have CBA, NCAA, high school association rules and regulations on time restraints, days of the week, how many how many points in the year that I have to give them off. You don't have that, right? So you could, you know, well, if I was there doing that too, yeah. And if I was training that same guy in your world, I wouldn't be doing a lot of the same stuff I'm doing now. That's why the organizational processes of the seven R's or pre-activity prep or a tier system or whatever the way you do it, you need that stuff in team settings with time restraints. Yes. Because it helps you factor things in. Yep. Then, you know, then, you know, you're going to talk to me about being a leader. Well, who have you led? Yes. I mean, it's a simple question. It becomes an interrogation, right? It just becomes a, it's a, it's you doing personal research, like, Man, I really, really like this guy, or I really, really like what this woman's saying. Okay, well, before I go more into it, let me figure out who these people are.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: you know, and, and again, I I hold certain things in different regards than others. Leadership, to me, I believe you need to show me where you were a leader. Yes. And what your leadership capabilities were. I'm not saying you know you have to be in sports to be but i just want like i want to know like what has made you the go to person that is bringing that we're paying $50,000 as a university for you to come in and talk about leadership i just so, want to know that yeah i'm not saying you're not qualified just like you know i i'm going to listen to certain coaches other coaches i'm probably not going to listen to because their definition of what a coach means is different than mine yeah you know there's level there's levels you you know there's there's a difference between being uh, an assistant coach versus a head coach. yeah, you were there and you won those games and that's that's fine and well, but it's different when your name's on the storefront and your name's on the head coach because you're you're just reaping all the benefits
2: <laughs> right
0: you know what I'm saying yeah and that's what and that's what coaches need to understand is this isn't a beratement of people what's going on I mean, I know there's a lot of people all, House doesn't like this guy. House doesn't like that guy. It has nothing to do with me liking them. I just know where they fit in my thought process. It's not yeah. liking. I res- like I said, I respect anybody who's out there killing it.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's not about me. I don't like. I, I just know what I know. I know what I want to know. Yeah. And regardless of what that product is, when I peel back the onion of this individual, my Intel tells me that, yeah, I can see why he's, why he or she has a reach. Yep. With these people, but it's not really car it's not really with my style. Right. I'll I'll get my information from someone else. Same thing with programming. Lot of cool stuff out there, right? Yep. A lot of cool stuff. But I know what I need to fit my world and I know what doesn't fit. Yep. And and I know how to decipher stuff. Like again, I, I laugh, and I'm not saying this because this shows you how people have a lack of understanding and they do a lack of Uh, self-education and self, what I would call film breakdown on stuff. How many times I've heard the questions of, can triphasic work with the tier system? Well, then you really don't know what triphasic is, and you really don't know what the tier system is, because triphasic is based off of training cycles, varying intensities, efforts, sets and rep schemes per whatever weeks. Right. Am I correct?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Where the tier...
0: The tier system is based off of exercise and choice of order yeah of movements. So yeah. why would you need to ask that question if you didn't already why are you asking that you should have already have done that research. Right. You should have already know it works. Yes. Do <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Absolutely.
1: But but so this both, is this is the problem, right? they like you the thing that you're saying here is like peel back one layer of the onion. Like people are either unwilling or unable, for whatever reason, to even do that entry-level stuff. And I'm not sure why that is. I don't know if it's just easy to have it spoon-fed to you via the internet
0: or... Well, I think some of it, too, is uh, marketing, yeah, right? Yeah, that's fair. I yeah. mean, the guys who understand that part of it, it's a man. And, 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 and I'm not saying this. There's a guy we both know, and I remember him saying it. Sometimes you got to look like you're successful
2: yeah yeah
0: and he had he had invested all his money in his product and had to go to his first show and he went broke on his display because he didn't want it to be the 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 lowest level of display
2: oh my god so
0: he went out and got the biggest level of display to prove and guess what now he's a multimillionaire. so Mm -hmm. he bet on himself and he won because when when people you know you know, you've been in those exhibit halls. Yeah. Who are you gravitating to? You're gravitating to the 10 by 10 booth or the 100 by 100 booth people.
2: Yeah, exactly. The animal so cage.
0: A, yeah, exactly. We've been there. Yeah. you going to the animal cage or the little guy that's always stuck in the corner behind the karate the right. karate matches. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like why do you think like back in the day where muscle milk, when you'd go to the Arnold and the muscle milk sign was bigger than the – than the entire damn building yeah so i think that's part of it too and and we are in that give it to me now i need it now yeah not hey let me figure this out before i apply see and that's where the absorb modify part comes in no one wants to absorb and modify they just want to grab it and apply it and then, and the other thing that i think we've got to remember is And I've said this a few years ago, and I still think this, we regurgitate too much information and we don't decipher it and try to make it where there's value of our own. Like I've always told people, I never mentored any of the coaches, and I I honestly believe this, I never mentioned, when I had our people work for me, we were always a unified approach when I oversaw the entire department. Every team trained the tier system. How you manipulated that, there was a lot of freedom. But the, the template itself, we were going to be this across the board. But there's, but I always said, you have to learn all the modalities of training because yep. that's how the tier system was developed. It was developed on the fact that I was exposed to all the different programming that was going on at one time and how could you consolidate this stuff. But I, I always believed that when those coaches went out on their own, they automatically don't do the tier system. They have to do their version of what the best program is for them. Yep. And I think that I would venture to think that a lot of some of the things we did through the tier system are always going to be ingrained in them. But I know uh, several of the coaches that have moved on for me that were able to express themselves differently in program design than the tier system. And I know others that, you know, believed in it wholeheartedly, like, yeah, I'm cool. Right. Right. It wasn't it wasn't force fed down your throat like a lot of these people. Now, they only know one distinct way of training. And and like, like I said yesterday on a podcast, the great thing about training athletes is there is no there is no absolute. Right. There is no one. There's no one way. Yep. Because we are not the fundamental sport itself. Yep. We're We are a secondary enhancement to the sport the athlete plays in. It's totally different than being a lifter. You know, yep. people, it's so it's so simple sometimes. It's like, God, come on, man. If you're a power lifter and walk in the gym, that's your practice field. Yes. But if I play football, that damn sure ain't my practice field. Right. And I just came off it and you're asking me to go to practice again. Yeah, yeah I'm not doing that, coach. <laughs> so it's a different you, you have to understand that stuff. And that's just years of common sense and communicating and 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 being around the athletes and understanding. Some are going to take it more important than others. Yep. And now your goal is how do you build relevance in the ones who don't see it as a a way to protect themselves and to help produce a higher level of performance when they are on the practice field in their specific work? Yep. And and these are and these are the things that people don't want to know. Like how many people out there now really can describe their program to you?
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So this, this brings up a great point though, too. Like you talk about, there's no absolutes when you train athletes, like case in point, think about how much your programs have evolved in the 32 years you've been doing this. Right. And, and let's just go even a, a little bit further. Let's go to whenever you design the tier system, however long you've been using that, how much has the tier system evolved in that period of time? Right?
0: Well, yeah, because the ex exor- because the exercise pools change, like the The structure hasn't changed, like the five, the five tiers. But what's come in that like, like now, like even when we did our stuff and we went through how we were integrating movement prep and different types of reboot or activation movements based off functional movement screens. Yep. Well, when we changed the role again, we moved some of that out. But like just in the upper body alone, it would be it went from, you know, a single exercise was in that tier. And then you had to mix and match a vertical presses here. Then we got to put a vertical pull somewhere else. And then there's a horizontal pull here. So I got to put a horizontal press here and and so forth and so on. And then it became where you start looking at it where, and you said this before, I have where, and a lot of other good people, if your program is right, you're you're handling a lot of things, right? You're yeah. handling compensation, you're handling prehab, yeah. you're hand, so, you know, in and again, a tough part of athletes when it comes to injuries are shoulders. The shoulder is a complex joint. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not smart enough to get into it. But we all know, if, if you want to use the word ambidextrous, it's probably one of the most, if not the most ambidextrous joint that we have with the capabilities and the different movement patterns it can be in. So it's really susceptible <laughs> to a lot of injuries. Yeah. Well, that's got to be focused on. Yeah. And that's why. What we're doing now is in in our neck program that we're building the neck. The neck is not just training the neck; it's the neck traps and posterior shoulder. That's your support. So we're always going to do some type of posterior shoulder capsule work in the neck training. But then we're also going to do things in the tiers now, where every and this is a recommendation, but in every upper body tier, there's well for the first three tiers anyway. There's some type of trifecta work, and that means it's a three-exercise medley. So if I'm doing a horizontal press, within that tier, you're doing a horizontal pull and a posterior shoulder work, and depending on how it's scripted will depend on how many times the posterior shoulder works in. So if I'm doing, say, a prilipin-based cycle, I'll always have three to four preparation progression sets till I get to that, that top set of the week. Yep. So during that, you'll do a horizontal row of the press and a posterior shoulder. And then when you get to the bench press work sets, the posterior shoulder drops off, and then you're just pairing the horizontal row movement for the day and the horizontal press. So a tier, which used to be a specific exercise, is now specific patterning. Mm-hmm. So you got one tier would be a vertical push-pull day, one day is a horizontal, and that might be truly bilateral barbell work or dumbbell and then you have your dumbbell day and then you have now again here's one point that i brought up i think i'll be interested to see like yourself and and a guy like Bill Hartman said in the in the late in the mid 90s to the early 2000s, especially when i first was working on the tier system so it'd be more than mid 90s everything became like prime mover emphasis right yeah. when everybody thought there was a thing called sport specific strength training <laughs> so it was prime movers prime movers prime movers and i think that was an era where we were seeing a lot more shoulder issues because we weren't doing enough back yeah everything was press 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 press, press. And that was also a time where it was told isolation type movements are not necessary when you train an athlete. Mm. So the leg curl, leg extensions and all that stuff, all that, all that bodybuilding fluff stuff was not necessary. So remember everybody started throwing them out. You stop seeing those types of machines in in college and high school and pro weight rooms. And then what, then the funny part is how did a kid who got hurt start rehab? With isolative movements.
2: Right, right.
0: So then you get into so then this wave is like now, if depending on what your background is, and again, I always say the best thing about my powerlifting career, because the numbers were awful, was it exposed me to powerlifting USA, which exposed me to Louis Simmons and opened up a whole new world of reading, studying, and implementation. Yep. Well what what did his program talk about? And now I think Matt Wenning's done a very good job of carrying some of those principles over. But what do those guys talk about is, you know, train the weak points, train your weak points, train your weak points. Well, generally the weak points become a specific muscle group that's is not allowing you to be more productive in a complex muscle group. A sure. Complex movement. Sure. So what does that mean? Well, that means isolated movements. Right. So I I had built a seven-tiered program where tiers six and seven were literally secondary assistants, which, which is isolated single-joint movements, and threw that out because I could fit those in at different points of the program. But now, especially in the NFL, I saw my tier four and five stuff becoming more isolated single-joint, like mini-circuits or medleys, because those became more protection tiers. Yeah. Where they used to be what Dave Tate helped me term strength mobility, because like tiers four and five would be your single leg work, your lunges, your step ups or your pseudo single leg, which you use Mm -hmm. uh, your pistol squats, all your dumbbell work for upper body, probably a dumbbell snatch for total body. So Dave would call that, Dave termed that strength mobility. So Mm -hmm. I always considered that a cool term for those movement based strength exercises. Yep and it kind of fit what we were doing it was a good genre it was a good way to explain programming to the kids and to the coaches but now i've seen where especially in the total body excuse me the lower body and the upper body tiers 4 and 5 they became more and more single joint isolated movements for protection yep and as i look at it i think that could fit your higher level college guys but at some point everything comes back full circle right
2: yep <laughs> Yeah.
0: And that's what and that's what I think we've seen because of the the abilities of of great people to expose us to different thought processes and then again, how do you absorb, modify and apply that into your programming? It's just like everybody's exercise pool is going to be different. Like I I was coming from a powerlifting background, so the back squat was highly dominant yeah. in my program early on. I read a lot of Mike Boyle stuff. One thing I always say about Mike Boyle, in particular, at an early age in my come up, was he always stimulated my thought. Whether it was agreeable or disagreeable, yeah. he always had me thinking. Yeah. And remember, he was monstrous on the front squat. Yeah. And I and I kept looking at it, and I'm, and we were using it because when I first wrote the tier system, even though I was making it athletic based for my football guys, bilateral squatted tiers one, two, and three. Yeah, and then we did lunges on one day and step ups on another for four and five. But that's tremendously changed now. And and he got me thinking: front squat as a tier one, front squat as a tier one, front squat as a tier one. And where does the back squat fit? Because I, I think there's a the balance of single or pseudo single leg work and bilateral squatting type patterns. I think there's you everybody's going to have a percentage mesh. Yep. Some will be forward maybe for, more forward for the single leg shift versus some to the bilateral, I'm always going to have a combination. yep. And that combination has changed a lot, where a lot of their percentages was pure barbell, <laughs> bilateral-based. And now it is, for the large majority of athletes, tier one is always going to be a bilateral-based movement. yep. But like tiers three, four, and five are almost all variations of some type of based off your terminology but in a general framework, a single leg solution. Yeah. And that and that's just growth. That's just a growth mindset of really getting out of the meathead mentality and all and, and always remembering what did you build the tier system for? Because I train athletes, not lifters. Okay, well then you got to get out of yeah. the lifting mentality regardless. Now, do I believe some sports and some positions of those sports may need two bilateral squats early in their career to develop some sense of pure absolute strength. But um, you're looking at a guy who spent so much time in bilateral squatting that now in his 50s is trying to learn to be more of a single leg squatting or a single leg movement guy because of the deficiencies and compensations over time that I didn't correct on the come up. Yeah you know, I squatted 650 pounds in competition. Yeah. That was with single ply and knee wraps, but still not a, not a, that's
2: not a bad, not lift. a bad load,
0: no. but couldn't do a 95 pound barbell lunge. Right. So you see what I'm saying Yeah. now for me, it didn't really matter. Right. Cause I'm like, people say, well, you don't need to lunge anyway, you squat, <laughs> but I can't have that with an athlete.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that, and
0: that. that's what you have. And that's what you learn. So that. So the thing is now is and that and that's a lot with the NFL. I give my pro. That's some of the things again. That's the challenges that never cease to amaze you. When we were talking about complacencies and and things like that, is the challenges of designing things and listening to things and then, you know, implementing uh, velocity based stuff, right? And power. I know Matt Ray and those guys. I think they use watts. Yeah. For some of the things that they're doing, those those things intrigue me, but. You're all, I'm always going to stick to the success that, that got you there. Like, at the end of the day, if it's fourth and one, you're going with the most successful play you have for, for short yardage. Right. You're not Now, once in a while, you're going to Jedi mind trick them and run a bootleg and stuff <laughs> like that because people know your tendencies too. Right. But at the end of the day, when it's best against best, you're going to run your best play and you're going to hope they run their best defense and see who's 11 can win. And, and that's the same thing with program design. You're going to put up your best exercise pool and hopefully you've hit because the, the guys come back with the more resiliency, more robustness, and the capabilities to play longer and healthier because of the things that you're doing with a communication-based deal. So that's, you know, those are the things that are important. And it's the same thing with people. How do you adjust to people? Same way. One of, one of the other things is a learning Being willing to learn. I I learned so much about being a professional strength coach. And luckily, I had this mindset going in when it came to what I call, you know, we talk about being a variable training program or having variety in training. But what you you still whether you still have some type of people have a lot of rigidity to their program. Like this is our program. It can't be changed. And that's one thing I've always said is our program is not a rigid program. It's, it's very fluid to what you know. So we'd have a, a vet come in. You know, we used to say we were vet friendly. That wasn't like people walk all over us. Right. It meant that, hey, man, this guy's been somewhere else for 10 years. He's trained this way for 10 years. Right. You can't just throw him to the wolves. If the guy's never did an Olympic lift in his career, I can't expect him to do Olympic lifts. Right. So what you do is you find out what they exit. The great. That's why exercise pools are so important. So to me, it was, okay, here's a vet comes in. Tell me what you've done. What's your, like, what's your, I would never come out and say, well, what's your exercise pool? I right. would just say, tell me, what you, tell me what exercises you've done and you like and that have benefited you. Okay, I've done this, 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 and this. Great. I'll plug them in to where it fits in our day. So when we come in, you're on the same session as everybody else. It'll be a different rotation than you're used to because we, we don't split up or lower Right. But you'll see all the exercises we talked about will be fit fit in some way, shape, like or that. form. I like
2: that. And
0: that. And that's 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 how you do it. Now, at the younger levels, they don't get as much say, right? right. Where well, they're still learning the basics. You got to, you know, you got to crawl before you can walk. You got to walk before you can run. You get to run before you can sprint. It's just the basics of uh, evolution. It's the same thing. When we figured out finally that you shouldn't train everybody the same way, and we built this long, what I call modified long-term athletic development model which is a quadrennial plan for high school and college athletes it's the same way right year one it's base fundamentals and then you're watching these upperclassmen train different hey coach when can i get there when you graduate right and then hopefully by year four or five you built up a level of communication and preparation that those people have been in your program enough that they can give you good feedback and that's where i was going. That's where I was starting to go to my last year at Louisville and my actually my first two years at Louisville dealing with guys like George Bussey, Joe Tronzo, Eric Wood, guys who could communicate training. And because and, we had built this program at Arizona State and got to implement it for two years at Louisville with a lot of really good success. We just weren't there long enough to see what what could have occurred over a period of time. That's why I know what, what I've learned over the NFL has made me a better coach regardless of where I go next because of the understandings of, you know, this is, this is my research. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that I still, I, I believe, you know, again, people have heard me say different things about research, like I'm the research, that's why I don't <laughs> read the research and stuff like that. But come on, man, I've, I've in, I think I've published four articles with Matt Ray and high-level Research. I understand it's important. I'm not. I wasn't trying to say that. What what I what I find sometimes are those those in in the science realm don't give us enough credit for what we're accomplishing without having empirical research, right? Or what they want to call evidence based research. Well, my evidence is the communication I have with the athlete and the feedback I get from the program. And I've, I talked to this with Lauren Landau once. I go, when is that going to be accepted? Right. Because in my world, that's the only except. That's the only it's the
1: only thing that matters.
0: Sign off. I need right. I need a 13 year vet to say, "Man, thanks. I came through pretty solid. I think I can go 14."
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know th- that that's evidence based. Yeah. Just like what's evidence based is house that sucked. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, I won't do that again. Yeah. And th- and that so there's you know when people say evidence based, what is it based off of? Because that's one thing that I can say now. When me and Matt Ray first started working together, we were trying to really show that to bridge the gap between training and athletics and yep. athletics. and a lot of times it's hard to get that it's hard to get that information because very few people are going to have the ability to do a true research based testing on athletes because there's an A group, a B group, and a C group, or there's the. The, the group that gets exposed to the cool training and the group that's not, well, that's hard to justify to coaches. Like, well, why is this guy getting all the good stuff and they're not? This is not going to affect my team to win. But what we're seeing now with Matt and the uniqueness of what they have with Coach Ballou at Alabama is they're working so far together that they're seeing different – they're showing different practicalities of research that's a benefit to people like me. Yeah. And I'm not disregarding what other people have done. I mean, I don't want this to get into a house is full of shit. He doesn't know <laughs> what he's talking about because like I said, I've done qualitative research. And my thing is just that all of it matters. Yeah. Absolutely. The thing that you're doing with the, you know, the, the hundred kids that are between the sixteen and twenty one population that are in a university rec program. There's some merit into those de- to that data as it affects. The the athletes that I train in the same age group, but the athleticism of those and yeah. the program that you tested them on is not the same.
2: Absolutely, if that
0: makes sense. And again, that's that's where we have to continue to find ways to work together. Yeah. And and Matt and I, we you know we worked together on certain things in 2002, and it's funny we were I was chatting with him the other day, and I was like, yeah, this is funny how now you have the things that we didn't have 15 years ago to prove that we were on the right path. Right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It, it's just the way it is. So those those are things that I think are important. And like I said, it's it's hard. It's hard to again. All this is self reflection, Mike. It's like I said, this is not me trying to prove that my programming is better than others. Anybody who writes a program could get benefit out of. Oh, that's pretty cool that he paired that he just took his major upper body deal and made it a three pronged approach. Yeah. Like I I did a little exercise program the other day for myself. I was sore for days because. I'm bad at this stuff where and I was like, well, this would probably be a good tier tier two or three movement where I did a 610 extended set where I did six reps of of a rear foot elevated squat and and went right into 10 reps of hamstring curl of a standing hamstring. So I did right leg six reps, very limited rest right into left leg for six reps, walked over to the standing leg curl machine and did 10 and 10. And then I think I can't remember rested. I think it was probably a little bit the way I did my rounds. It probably was around a minute rest and did that for five rounds. Yeah, not not fun (laughs) when you have weak. Not fun when you have no balance. Your single leg strength's terrible. (laughs) You need hamstring strength regardless, and you've got eight previous knee surgeries. So it,
2: Hmm.
0: yeah, I was sore for so. But there was there's merit in that type of work, and that to me is that's practical research like absolutely how does this fit into a program where does this fit it's got quality it's got quality movements it's got a it's got an in-place pseudo single leg movement yeah squat based movement followed by an isolative knee flexion that can help for protection and overall hamstring durability
2: love it love it
0: okay so those those are you know so like i said uh, so going back to certain things like to me from programming it's all exercise pool based like Mike, Mike Boyle could, write, could use the tier system to write his programs, but his pool is going to be way different. different than it was even five years ago. Yep. His tier one is going to be a rear foot elevated squat, and his tier two may be a pistol squat yep. and, or a lunge. But it's going to be five tiers of variations of single leg, pseudo single leg or pure single leg movements. And that's okay, right? Yep. That's
2: Absolutely. what he
0: believes in. And Absolutely. that's what people got to understand, man. There's just so many different ways to, to, to skin it. Yep. That it all comes back to your belief in yourself, your belief in your program, and the and the and the athletes that you have, understanding your commitment to it, and then you showing them the relevancy of what it can do for them in their sport of choice.
1: Love it. Okay, one more question, and then I'm going to let you go. So, 32 years in, as we discussed before, the only voted on strength and conditioning coach of the year. In- collegiate and pro but you said you got maybe one more run what 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 is the future of joe kin what are you what are you going to do next man
0: you checked a lot yeah, of boxes that's a, a lot of it's a lot of great questions and i'm checking i'm checking a new one right here with dynamic that's yeah a totally different side of the of the realm it's something i've been involved with right i've designed weight rooms i've helped design lines of equipment and now i'm really in on the like walking a plant and watching how this stuff's being made and what goes behind uh, R&D and development In in the end I think that's just going to make me overall I'm always going to be involved in some type of fitness related process how do I mean how can you, I mean I can't go out and start selling stock right
2: <laughs> right <I> mean,
0: <laughs> you know so I think this is a role that was suited for me at the time and I have a tremendous amount of Respect for Tammy and Kurt for giving me an opportunity to work with Dynamic and help push them forward to greater heights and the processes of still being able to stay somewhat relevant by writing stuff and doing things on my own through Big House Power as far as educating coaches and giving them a different spin off of what's being out there in social media. Yeah. But you know, again, man, who, who's to say what's next? All I know is, whatever it is, if it's dynamic, then this is my big run, and I got to continue to learn the, the business. Is it another coaching opportunity? It, it's based on who you know, right? It doesn't right. It has nothing to do with my resume, right? It's opportunity. Who's who's in there? Who knows you? Who will champion for you? Yeah. And where and where that they come. So I again, I I look at it this way, man. I cherish the fact that I had the runs I've had. I I, I actually know coached my dream job my dream job was to coach the carolina panthers does the next does the next job become my dream job no but I, it's a dream right to coach right it's a it's an opportunity and i live a dream every day i mean you know I, my my whole life's been built around a weight, being somewhere in a weight room since the time i was 13 years old and i still get to do that in just a different a different sense of doing it and i can still bring my expertise and my capabilities and my mentorship to coaches around the globe based off the fact that there is an internet, based off the fact that I am allowed to travel,
2: yep.
0: uh, that coaches know that I'm available. And like you said, there's there's different things that I can do now, not being with a team that I couldn't do with a team. Yep. So the, the values of that, and, and I'm spending more time, like my, my granddaughter said, she was glad I got fired because now she gets to see <laughs> me all the time. You know what I'm saying? That's so it's, funny. Like, it's, uh, it's stuff like that. Yeah. And, so there's a whole new realm out there. But like I said, I don't the only questions I ask are the ones that I can answer myself. Yep. And I don't worry about other things. I used to worry about it a lot. Like what do people really think of me? What a why didn't why didn't I get that job over so and so? You know, like what why did why they send me the thanks but no thanks letter but you have impressive credentials. Well then why didn't I get an interview? I don't worry about that because it's not about someone beat you or someone was better than you. What I've learned over time is it's fit. It's fit and relationships. Yep. You could go into an interview and kill it and think you're going to get the job only to find out you didn't. And then when you peel back that onions, you find out, well, two coaches on the staff worked with the guy beforehand and they jumped on the table for him. Well, then you look at the staff. Well, I had nobody on the staff jumping on the table for me. Yep. It's as simple as that. It has nothing to do with is so-and-so a better coach or is so-and-so this or they brought this to the table and you couldn't, a lot of it's going to come down to, Hey, this guy's good. This guy's good. But these two dudes work with them. Yeah. So we know what we're getting. And it's, so fit is important. And right now I've got a good fit. I work with some really good people. We've hired some really, really good, strong people in the field. We just, couple of weeks we'll make another another post on another hire we made and people in in this realm will realize that that's a big a big get for us so we're excited moving forward so again i i, I know this man i woke up this morning so it's gonna <laughs> be it's a, a win day. right i yep. love it i get to go in the weight room and get some get some weights done and i will i, I gotta have elbow surgery though so i'm not Oof. too keen on that
1: oh it's not good man
0: well it's it'd be different if it was just, but it's that uh, like ulnar nerve impingement, cubital oh, yeah. tunnel syndrome. So I've got issues in my fingers, so I can't. I've already lost some grip strength. So oh yeah, I wouldn't get it done if it was just little like bone spurs and range of motion stuff. But you know how that nerves are, man. Yeah. I'm, that's not something I want to mess with down the road.
1: No, I got you, man. I got you. Well, House, always great catching up with you, man. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great work you're doing?
0: well the best i mean obviously you know so we talk about it social media you can should listen and do everything i say <laughs> <laughs> but that's at big house power we're we're doing some really cool stuff at dynamic i think everybody nowadays has some type of educational message on their in their equipment team yep but our, our blog our 60 second strength coach blog that we have is got some really i'm really happy with the material that's on it cuz it's extremely practical And I think for the older coach, there's a lot of reaffirmation. And for the younger coach, man, just stuff you might not really be thinking about that will help spur some thought. Again, the thought process is huge, right? Embrace the process. Uh, You got to be able to stimulate thought. And that's all I want to do. I'm not trying to convince anybody. I'm trying to enhance your thought process of what you're doing and how to make it better for your athletes. And then my my website is www.bighousepower.com.
1: Perfect. Well I'll make sure I get those in the show notes, but as always, my guy, great having you on, man. It was great catching up. Yeah,
0: I think we just smoked McCloy. <laughs> McCloy. You can't McCloy can't go two hours or he, an hour and a half. And no. We could have kept going.
1: No, this is the, the light work for us, man.
0: Light yeah, work. Man, when you, off the script, we live for off the script. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: All right, my friend that does it for this week's episode. Sincerely hope you enjoyed it, man. I just can't say enough good things about coach Ken. somebody that I deeply respect somebody that I look up to and admire for his success in this field for the way he carries himself for the fact that he's principle based. Like I said, I mean, I just can't say enough good things about him. I respect the hell out of him and he's somebody that I consistently look to for sound knowledge And for being a no BS kind of guy, I mean, he's going to call it like he sees it when it comes to programming, when it comes to coaching, and when it comes to other coaches. So if you're not already following him on the socials, I would definitely be doing that because he's somebody I think you can learn a ton from. So if you would do me one small favor, if you enjoy this show, please take two seconds out of your day today to subscribe. Wherever you consume podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Store, wherever you consume podcasts, you can find us there. You can subscribe. And that way you'll know each and every week when a new episode drops. So again, my friend, if you enjoy this episode, it's my goal to make every episode, something that you can learn from and something that's going to be of value to you as a trainer, coach, or rehab professional. So do that for me now. And, you know, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.